Namaste. So today is uh, supposed to be Mother's Day. I don't know why only today. It should be every day, every moment. But uh, there is a request to have a reflection on Mother's Day. Now there is a very interesting uh, little sloka in as a, as children we read it. Uh, I am sure everybody has heard it. Acharya Deva Bhava. Pitra Deva Bhava, Matri Deva Bhava. So, one way to look at it is that, O Acharya, thou art God. You know, teachers have to be revered like a God. O Father, you are like a God. O Mother, you are like a God. But just as I said in Asadoma Sadgamya, Tamasoma Jyotirgamya, Prithyur Mamritam Gamya, you can look at it the other way that. The light hidden in the darkness, the immortality cowled in the cape of death. So same way, the sloka can be read this way. O Acharya, be as a God. Acharya Deva Bhava. I am not going into the Sanskrit semantics. But it's good to look at it like this for a change. That, O Father, be as a God. O Mother, be as a God. Meaning thereby that uh, fatherhood, motherhood, teacherhood, in fact all relations owe their origin to the divine. So divine is the father, Tameva Mata Chapita Tameva. He is the father. Why? Because it is his real idea that has streamed into this universe. And he is uh, the eternal guardian. And uh, we are his vanshaj. We are supposed to become like him. Deep within we are like him. And he is also the mother, the eternal womb of all things. And he is also the nurturer, nurturer, the nourisher, the teacher. And if we really take a cue from the way the divine is with his creation, especially those who have come in contact with the divine, it can be very revealing and it can teach us how to be. You know, there are books written on parentage, on parenting. But if you really understand the way our soul can relate with the divine and the way the divine responds, it contains within itself the key to that. How does the divine as father relate with us? You see, when we look at Sri Aurobindo, uh, divine doesn't act like a strict disciplinarian authority uh, crushing you and, you know, demanding from you. doesn't. He is the coolest guy ever upon, you know, upon this earth and beyond. And we see this reflection in Sri Aurobindo, how he would allow the disciples... To go as far as they can. And when somebody would ask, Sir, why do you allow your disciples to go so far? So he says that to see how far they can go. So it allows the divine as father doesn't crush our growth. That's the titan's way. He allows us to blossom, to explore, to go through. But he is all the time there is the ever watchful eye into the sky deep within whom you know you have the fullest confidence that you can contact him and when you contact he will respond that's how the father would of and ultimately he molds you to express that real idea which is within us as swabhava and swadharma on the other hand the divine is mother the divine mother so we see that again in Shubhinda and the mother's life it's very interesting that the divine as mother, it is her task to shape and mold. <laughs> How does she do it? She does it by personal example. 
she does it by the pressure of consciousness rather than by do's and don'ts so people describe how in front of mother and shurbindo and their relation something so beautiful we see it in mythologies and uh, other stories but for us this is the closest to us so there is a beautiful story very sweet little story of shurbindo sitting with the disciples and all of them are like you know usual mood uh, somebody is reading a newspaper somebody is asking something casually and then the mother is coming she is not yet entered and shubindu suddenly sits straight and he says mother is coming so <laughs> everybody is now and they would say that in front of shubindu they felt that they could be lost in that infinity and when it was mother they felt the tremendous pressure of transformation she was not saying anything she is embodiment of love and her love was extending to the smallest details of life there is this example of kakeda who you know promise johar who fell down and his father is behind and he gets up and doesn't look at his father he runs to the mother and the mother caresses and you know she is gives him a nice chocolate in nice little wrappers puts an ointment by the time the father comes he sees his son being so pampered indulged in and similar many stories one of them was where um light they used to go to work in the mother's room and she had a child who would not uh, you know very young so this child was telling me she she had adopted a child she she was not married in fact mother told about her that nobody is there in the world who can marry you so she had not married but she had an adopted child is the same place she used to live where now you have desire located so uh, lightdi was working in mother's room and this story was told to me by her adopted child himself uh, he would play outside whatever you know so the mother came to know and i think the second day third day she asked there is somebody out there you have brought your son yes so she was feeling that how she can bring it inside you know, we have this idea mother's room and you know how she said why don't you bring him inside <laughs> so she was overjoyed and also uh, how can i do it no you bring him inside so he would come in and he would play and then the mother would uh, give him after that play a little bag full of uh, chocolates and she would tell him uh, don't eat it alone share it with others second keep the bag carefully and bring it again to me so that i can fill it again with chocolates and the third was that you know uh, keep the wrappers properly so she taught him in such a small way about all this tender care and it's amazing many of her stories how the children would just come to her and cling to her uh, one such story again that lady is still here she was telling me when her son was 4 year old and she went to see the mother and you know see we have created this kind of feeling that mother means but look at her love so the child is a child he is running around <laughs> he doesn't know that you know how you are supposed to behave so this lady is uh, hey uh, come here hey holding trying to hold so mother told her you come here so she went she went there she says you forget him he is my child also and put her head in her lap she forgot completely now what's happening with the child 
and this was her way of pouring her love on countless even animals and as you know we know she used to say i'm the mother the smallest details she would look after there is this story which uh, of course um, okay i won't name but uh, he is well known so he is the person he recounted me that how when he was um, 7 year old the mother had given him a cycle and then on his birthday when he grew 12 year old suddenly his name is called out after the playground and mother tells him that you know that cycle must have grown smaller for you so <laughs> this is a new cycle for you it fits your size see when we read from the mother all the four aspects of the mother a mother should embody it she must know wisdom when to postpone when to seemingly reject motherhood doesn't mean i'll accept all that my child demands maheshwari doesn't do that but even when she rejects her rejections are not rejections they are postponement you must get ready she to each one depending upon the inner state she responds differently so this maheshwari aspect of the divine mother and of course the mahakali sometimes she can be mahakali she can scold even this i referred this story of uh, how amrita she would you know how she would shape perfection so amrita is there and one day mother calls she is the one person to whom mother said the one and only the first and last manager of the ashram when he left his body somebody asked the mother who will be the manager said <laughs> first and last manager so he would go to the mother and she would scold and amrita is very much smiling see the bond of trust that she has developed with him and then he says somebody asked him do you know that mother was scolding you yes of course you were smiling yes of course why because he has such trust in me that you know i will always understand look at how she has that perfect trust in me that's why have you ever heard her scolding anybody <laughs> no 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 that is true <laughs> hardly ever so see she loves me so much that she knows that even if i scold he will always understand so this is that aspect where she suddenly sees what is to be corrected in a disciple and corrects it and it is needed at a stage of her growth and then she is of course mahalakshmi all gracious develops in child all the inner qualities you see parents teach so many things they are all worried about homework i just don't know uh, what is this kind of obsession with marks children don't know how to live life they don't know how to love it's a tragedy that the one thing they must need to know is how to love recently i had one uh, child 18 year old being brought by mother his physical mother and she says you must counsel him so what is the why i should counsel him he loves a girl so i said that's pretty normal if he didn't i would be worried 18 year old you know it's very natural to love no no he messages and all this i said that's also natural <laughs> he can't be sending messages through pigeon and you know kabutar jaha times are different so usne hey, this is not the time for all this so i said when is the time for all this so after he studies completes his study gets up a job which means another 7 8 years at least i said do you think at that point of time probably he'll get married without knowing what love means and do you understand what disaster this is going to create 
So children should know what is love. So you should train him what love means. He loves a girl. Teach him that you know to love a girl means what? How you should respect the girl? It means how should care for her. Rather than don't love, then he will find ways and channels to do the same thing, but in very deviant ways because nobody is there to guide him, to teach him even to learn how to love. So we see goddess of love, how to um, create harmony. See, when children, that's what during this phase they missed upon so much upon the collective group life. So when parents come, to, when children grow up in a home. Uh, see, small child doesn't have this idea of self and not self, so they easily freely give and take. But as they grow up, we start creating boundaries. To an extent, it has its meaning and purpose. It shapes them in a certain way. But uh, as they grow up, again, one of the most fundamental needs of human life, which can create joy untold, is harmony. So they don't know how to harmonize, and this is one of the things that the mother needs to teach them: sense of beauty. So beauty is like buy a car, have a big house, big cupboards, trust everything. That's not beauty. Spirit of order, spirit of harmony, all this is required. Sense of beauty, aesthetics. This is the education which a child should receive at home. Of course, in the school also. Very often, you see children grow up and they don't know how to uh, speak. They abuse. Um, I mean, filthy tongues, which I can't even. I mean, I shudder when I, I have seen all this, and they spit sometimes, and all kinds of. Of course, please don't go by this idea that uh, in India they do it outside. They don't. They they have worse things loaded inside the head, and they spit venom at another level altogether. So at all levels, physical as well as this thing. So once uh, someone asked me that they do this in school and uh, how are we to uh, teach them? I said, okay, you will teach them by words and all this, teaching by example, but create such an influence, atmosphere in the school that they just cannot spit because spit beauty all around. Put lovely plants, flowers, and in home also, so that children understand that you know um, this is disturbing. They should grow in the sense of beauty. Uh, foul tongue. So obviously they pick up from home and others. Training of the speech to express beauty in words, written words, spoken words. These are things that children must learn. This is motherhood. Motherhood is not just mane janam de diya aur sada adarni reh gayi. This is uh, too sentimental an idea. motherhood is to be fulfilled by being like the divine mother that is the original replica and then of course the mahasaraswati aspect in every detail we are very happy if children are getting good marks in physics chemistry or biology depending on the stream they want to go but what about the artistic sides completely ignored how even to handle something maybe a tap a glass of water even picking up a glass of water and keeping it they don't know <laughs> because mothers do it for them <laughs> that's very unfortunate they don't know how to even you know uh clean a glass properly i mean many things every small little detail of life uh, shoes polishing the shoes uh, i remember growing up and learning this not because um, i mean it was something which it was ingrained by parents to learn it and do it making your own bed things like that small things so everything has its own place everything has its own order ma saraswati you know these detailed learning about everything the artistic side of life so 
this when one can fulfill then truly one is playing the role of a mother uh, sad to say but just giving birth to a child doesn't make one mother that's only the minimum that's nature very frankly that's nature material nature and of course i am not entering into conscious parenting where children bring a child not to satisfy their ambition one of the worst things that you ever hear is uh, why you are having a child he will grow up and look after us this is the most absurdest thing we have to shake off this slavery to children are not meant to do that children have their face towards the future they must be like birds who fly out of the nest so this all these conceptions must go before we can really deserve um you know to celebrate uh, happy mothers day it's not just a word sending to oh just because mama uh, i'm very fond of you that's good okay it's nice to express that but there is a big role and responsibility of motherhood uh, much more than father it's a fact whether we like it or not fathers are uh, more like background caretakers because they are good for nothing perhaps maybe <laughs> i mean the fact is let's accept that this great role is given to women because they are capable the greater part is given to them and therefore it's given to them uh, having said that i must also mention because people often say oh mother spoke about uh, superman will be born to a woman so women should marry to have superman uh, this is the <laughs> worst kind of misconception she also told at the same time that to a woman she has a choice either to lend a body to the animal act and thereby create uh, you know procreation or to conserve that energy and turn it to new creation so if you see the greatness of woman she not she is a creator organizer she is a woman first and she can be a mother without physically adopting a child physically taking a child even adopting a child you know that famous story of um uh, sri ramakrishna paramahans the day he got married and then he goes to ma sharda and says you can be the mother of one child you can be the mother of few children or you can be the world mother what do you want and she says i want to be the world mother and he bowed down at her feet and said ma this is the height of you know she can she has the capacity to become the world mother so how does she become world mother when all creatures she can accept and adopt as her own you know uh, children and um, this is what we see in ancient ideal of rishis and rishi patnis it was not just about their own children all who came there they accepted and therefore it was an ideal of spiritual motherhood so physical mother material mother gives birth to us she can also be a mother at another level by uh, assisting in our minds in our heart in our vital uh, the entry of the gods she can be like shivaji was who was shivaji <laughs> of course at one level it was uh, samarth guru ramdas at another level he was the mata jijabai who you know infused him with the spirit of the uh, conqueror uh, that was shivaji he was she created out of a physical being a great warrior a vibhuti for all times so that's another level that they can play a role not just giving birth to a physical child and then they can go still further if they can and give us new birth 
So, spiritual motherhood begins when one is capable of giving to a child who is born into this earthly existence, but yet in its ignorance, the capacity for a new birth into new and higher realms and domains of existence. And that's what the Divine Mother is. Now, the beauty is that the Divine Mother does not cancel the role of the physical mother. She takes care of everything. That's why in the ashram context you have something called as prosperity. It's one of the most beautiful, interesting things. So what is prosperity? So you'll see that all the ashramites used to go on first of every month, give her their needs and they would receive things from the mother. It means she is the giver not only of her inner spiritual needs, but of her most material needs they come from her. And this prosperity, it is true that it applies at so many levels. As an ashram inmate, there is a system that you fill a form and receive it from her. But at a deeper level, if one completely surrenders to her, loves her and you know has that faith in her, she will provide at the most material level whatever is needed and whenever it is needed. So she takes care of the human aspect as well as the Spiritual aspect. What I mean to say is they don't negate each other. It's not like I have a human mother and I have a spiritual mother. When you have a spiritual mother, in the true sense, if she is really um, identified with some aspect or the other of the Divine Mother, then she takes care even of the human element, human needs. And that's why, you know, in the ashram with regard to the Divine Mother, I will read a little letter. There were people who used to create all kinds of distinctions and divisions. So, one of them we know was Dara. So, Dara would keep on saying that, you know, in our Shastras it is said that, Ma ke charno ke niche jannat hai. There are people who even, you know, try to put their parents' photograph and say, you know, they are God for me. I said, they may be God for you, but well, don't put so much strain on them to be like it's it's not a easy role to play and uh, one must understand the difference so anyways so dara raised a question that you know according to us physical mother is the ultimate but you speak about the mother so what is this uh, because it's not given in our scripture so there is a letter of shirobindo where he reveals this secret the letter you wrote to me shows a surprising inability to understand the plainest distinctions and the simplest truths. The one who was an instrument for giving birth to the physical body of X. Now this X is his own brother. So he is the elder brother. So he believes that on behalf of their physical mother, he can tell X what you should do, what you should not do. This is another idea. Ma to ma but bhai is bhai. So, bhai is the right over your life. So, child doesn't know ki whom all I should. <laughs> so, Shivinder says that the one who was an instrument for giving birth to the physical body of X, mark the uh, perfection of the word, was no doubt in her lifetime his material mother. See, this lifetime is very interesting and I can really share this. I have shared this experience when my physical mother departed. So, uh, as soon as we got to know and I mean I was present there and I was telling her concentrate here on ma, ma, ma and then she withdrew. So the moment she was declared dead I 
called up my sister same place and i said uh, you come over i am going so where are you going i said i'll i'm going to the bhavan and i'll tell you later so i went to the bhavan shobindra bhavan was very nearby so i went and the relics were there and just like this i was offering her being to the divine mother and i hear a um, sentence here in mother's voice now i am your physical mother also and i understood that physical mother is nothing but even she is nothing but an instrument through which the divine mother pours and so beautifully she takes care is unimaginable so it says till she was in her lifetime in the body she was the material mother but even if you see logically all the intelligence the feelings everything that comes within the physical mother comes from universal nature universal mother and all that comes from the divine mother who is behind it all so he says it can de- but the relation which exists between the mother here and x and between the mother and all who accept her is a psychic and spiritual motherhood it is a far greater relation than that of the physical mother to her child far greater but he will now make it more comprehensive greater means it is there but this is much greater it gives all that human motherhood can give but in a much higher way and it contains in itself infinitely more because she is truly our janam janam ki mata from the origin till so we must never forget that and the beauty is she has the correct wisdom to give what needs to be given to withhold what needs to be withheld that is a wisdom which is missing in the human mothers unless of course he said they are identified with the spiritual consciousness which is so rare and just imagine you know if we feel so much for a physical mother i mean people feel just imagine how much more we should feel for the divine mother who from life to life forms a body mind heart soul and that journey goes on through so many lives she is the permanent eternal mother and how can we not be grateful to her so it's a far greater relation it can therefore because it is greater and more complete take all together the room of the physical relation and replace it both in the inward and the outward life but we have to form that bond see sambandh relation is always like that love is always self existent so we have the so many stories and you know amrita on his birthday asking the mother for two banyans this is the idea that i she gives anyways everything but yet so this relation one has to form for everything and shubindu says that the divine mother likes it to be so because she wants to pour her out see one of the first thing that we all experience when we love someone is to give and it's too stifling if you cannot give for whatever reason your giving is blocked it is very painful to those who love really this urge to give is like say for instance you have a child and for some reason you cannot meet and cannot it's so painful that you want to give but you cannot give so this urge to give is the first spontaneous impulse in love and therefore there is nothing wrong people ask that can we ask the divine mother for material things who else will we ask of course but we should remember if she feels if she gives wonderful if she doesn't give wonderful but who else we'll ask everything 
physical things, health, um, you know, people ask for absurd things, but let me not, you know, <laughs> talk about that and she grants that also. And of course, <laughs> somebody actually asked, Mother, can I have a friend? <laughs> she has organized everything. You can't imagine that she, she understands us so completely. Because in front of mother, you can be completely, you see a child before the mother, she takes off the clothes, gives a bath, gives a new set of clothes. There is nothing to feel ashamed of. Mother is the one who knows us inside out. So, it contains much more but in a higher way. There is nothing here that can confuse anyone who has common sense and a straightforward intelligence. The physical fact cannot in the least stand in the way of the greater psychic and spiritual truth or prevent it from being true. So the greater truth is the spiritual birth which only the Divine Mother gives us. And when she gives a greater birth, she takes this also simultaneously because the moment we are born in the higher realms, then it is understood that there are parts in our nature, there is the very body and that also needs nourishment. Say for instance, somebody takes to a spiritual life Seriously and sincerely in the deepest sense of the word And feels so much drawn That he wants to, you know He cannot engage with work the way he was engaging previously Through which he was earning money, livelihood so called So what happens to such a person? The mother understands this She takes care of it in the least detail But we have to make that leap of faith That's what it is meant for So X is perfectly right when he says that this is his true mother, for she has given him a new birth in an inner life and is creating him anew for a diviner existence. The idea of spiritual motherhood is not an invention of this ashram. It is an eternal truth which has been recognized for ages past both in Europe and in Asia. We have of course a whole lot of spiritual literature on it. The distinction I have drawn between the physical relation and the psychic and spiritual relation is also not a new invention. It is an idea known and understood everywhere and found to be perfectly plain and simple by all. It is the present confused state of your own mind which prevents you from understanding what men have found natural and intelligible everywhere. So... <laughs> there is another Just as Toward the end he says Because he says I am responsible Because we both have The same physical mother I am the elder brother So I am supposed to Take care of him So this is the logic And look at Shurbindu's letter Which is Heartening and chastening For all of us Who sometimes believe In such um, Conventional things You are Not his guardian Nor wise you are not even the head of the family. On what ground do you claim to decide where he shall go or where he shall stay? Your pretension to have the responsibility for him or her before God is an arrogant and grotesque absurdity. Each one is responsible for himself before God unless he freely chooses to place the responsibility upon another in whom he trusts. So it is up to us. If we say, no, 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 I place my responsibility on <laughs> physical mother or bhaiya, didi, rakhi ke bandhan ko nibhana de. It's okay, that's our choice. But we can equally say, like Draupadi, Oh Lord, you fulfill, you be my guardian and protector. 
No one has the right to impose himself as a religious or spiritual guide on others against their free will. You have no claim at all to dictate to X or Y either in their inner or their outer life. And then he says, you ask for the truth and yet speak like a narrow and ignorant fanatic who refuses to believe in anything but the religion in which he was born. So that's where we see about fanaticism. This one letter written about fanaticism and fundamentalism. I'll just read one little sentence and then we'll stop. All fanaticism is false because it contradicts. it is a contradiction of the very nature of God and of truth. Truth cannot be shut up in a single book. Bible or Quran, Bible or Veda or Quran or in a single religion. The divine being is eternal and universal and infinite and cannot be the sole property of the Musalman or of the Semitic religions only. Sorry, the stress of emphasis through the words was mine. <laughs> but it's okay. Because you see, all the time we keep hearing from everywhere. All is one, all is same, everything is... How can you... The moment you say that mine is the only religion and mine is the only book, mine is the only God, you have finished it. There is no God, no religion then. It is nothing but a fundamentalist and a mad fanatic who is most dangerous to his own life, to the life of those around him and actually he will finish his own religion because it's no more a religion. That's what we see has happened. So, those that happen to be in a line from the Bible and to have Jewish or Arabian prophets for their founders, Hindus and Confucians and Taoists and all others have as much right to enter into relation with God and find the truth in their own way. Muhammad himself, all religions have some truth in them, but none has the whole truth. All are created in time and finally decline and perish. Muhammad himself never pretended that the Quran was the last message of God and there should be no other. God and truth outlast these religions and manifest themselves anew in whatever way or form the divine wisdom chooses. You cannot shut up God in the limitations of your own narrow brain or dictate to the divine power and consciousness how or where or through whom it shall manifest. You cannot put up your puny barriers against the divine omnipotence. Very powerful letter. We should read it some other day on fanaticism and fundamentalism. But the thing is that sometimes even parents turn their children into some kind of ideologue fanatics. You must allow them to fly, put them the fundamentals. But let them choose when they grow up. Let them choose their country, their religion, their way of life. But always stand behind, always know that they should not feel that, okay, I am going my own way, so now my parents have cut off. Parents remain parents. The divine never abandons us. However much we may err and stumble and fall, when we fall, he says, okay, come. And then again we fall, we may sing, oh, I am no good. He says, don't worry, I understand. <laughs> and he picks us up. So that should be our approach. You want to follow your own way, path? Yes, of course, each must. That's how life is. But at the same time, I am always there as a father, as a mother, as a teacher and guide and friend and everything. Whenever you need, I'll be there for you. But the Divine Mother, to those who have accepted her, for them, they are never abandoned. 
it is not they who fall she goes with them and she doesn't wait for our cry to help she ensures that through all that she pulls us out and we grow stronger and wiser through that event or circumstance